Welcome to another episode of The Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, join me and my co-host, Alex Ross, as we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, we discuss a bracelet for tracking hand movement, mental health resources on social media, and a cardiovascular tracking device. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 43 for the week of July 27th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. And I'm Alex Ross. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is W56.52XA. Struck by other fish. Initial encounter. Now, you're probably thinking that I'm going to make some story about jumping in the water and a fish ran into me and ooh, that Mm -hmm. hurt. Yeah, you because know, last week I jumped off the boat onto dry land, so right. maybe I solved that issue, and now the fish are running into me. But no, that's not what happened. Uh oh, plot I twist! Need to stop making assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what actually happened, though. Interestingly enough, this did happen to me. Oh, okay. Um, I I did take the boat out on the water, and my buddy and I we were doing some fishing. And we caught a couple good-sized ones, some some pretty good ones, and had them in the cooler, just cooling off. And uh, I, I'm not sure exactly why, but my buddy got kind of agitated at me, uh, and so he opened up the cooler and he grabbed the biggest fish, and he slapped me with it. Oh, yeah, just <laughs> right across the face with the tail of a fish. Yeah, it was by other fish though, so. It wasn't the initial fish that hit you, right? It was another fish. Right. That hit it was you. one of those other fish. <laughs> yeah. One of the other fishes in the tank jumped out of it. But it was the initial encounter that caused the greatest injury. <laughs> Correct. Um, because the, the fish in question was a, a beautiful little bluegill. And they uh-huh. have kind of spikes all along True. their top. And you get slapped with that, cut your cheek right open. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Now I look like uh, Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> That's why I grew a beard, so you can't see. <laughs> Perfect. And with that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have brace yourselves for this new accessory. Researchers from Cornell University and University of Wisconsin have designed FingerTrack, a wrist-mounted device that continuously tracks the entire human hand in 3D. The device could be used in sign language translation, virtual reality, mobile health, and other areas. The lightweight bracelet allows for free movement by using a combination of thermal imaging and machine learning to virtually reconstruct the hand. The device can have an impact on healthcare applications, specifically in monitoring disorders that affect fine motor skills. A device like this could be used to better understand how elderly use their hands in daily life, helping to detect early signs of diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Frankly, I'm a little more excited about the uh, potential video game and virtual reality yeah. uh, impacts of a device like this. But from a healthcare perspective, it's still pretty cool. I feel like the name Finger Track kind of pigeonholes it a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it should be named like Hand Track. Because <laughs> it's isn't not just a, your fingers, it's your entire hand. Hand Track, isn't that like a, a commercial train company? I have no idea, but it it could be a a variety of different things. But yeah, I mean, it's great that they can do any kind of 3D rendering. It's pretty crazy to think about. We are living in the future, Alex. This is the future. Arguably one of the coolest things that you can work on in AI is machine vision. Yeah. And like constructing things like hands in real time as they move for a machine to be able to understand that. 
that's yeah. super cool. <laughs> so instead of like, you know, how all the governors are having their meetings about COVID right now and what to do with the state and their updates, instead of the person in the corner making weird faces while they're doing it, while they're doing like sign language and stuff, it'll be just 3D rendered hands. <laughs> like Mickey Mouse gloves just in the corner. Like, oh. that would be pretty entertaining (laughs) now the real question then becomes can we take these devices and kind of flip the them around and use them to control people's hands there we go therefore we could eliminate the the little virtual gloves in the corner and just put these bracelets on the governor (laughs) (laughs) so then he's talking and doing sign language at the same time and he is he doesn't have to think about doing the sign language because it's just doing it for him. Right, so right. Just, it translates it in real time. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> now, the future, I mean, who knows, man? This could, this could really take off. Finger track. I, I guess from a, a more healthcare-related direction, right, if we could use technology like this to both track movement, diagnose movement, and then also provide some kind of like feedback into that movement, Mm-hmm. We may be able to influence things like uh, living with Parkinson's and being able to kind of counteract some of those muscular tremors and things using a yeah. device like this. I could yep. see that learning being applied to, I guess, creating a device that is better for you specifically. Very exciting. Next up, snap back to better mental health. The popular social media app Snapchat is helping bridge the gap between users and mental health resources. A new feature called Snap Minis are mini apps that users can access within Snapchat. Headspace, a popular app for mental health training, collaborated with Snapchat to create Headspace Mini. This provides guided meditations, animations, articles, and videos to improve mental health and mindfulness of users. They can access six different meditation sessions or send encouraging messages to friends in need. Snapchat also provides in-app reporting so users can help those who they know are experiencing mental health crises. When a user alerts Snapchat that they fear their friend may self-harm, the app sends resources such as access to crisis text line, national suicide prevention hotline, or emergency services directly to them. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. I don't, I mean, it kind of just sounds like two brands coming together to do a partnership and then they just like, let's call it a mini app. (laughs) Right. Well, there there is sort of like a meta here, right? Yeah. Headspace is a separate app and yep. they programmed it so that it can exist within the Snapchat uh, ecosystem. Yep. So that's kind of the, the it's fun like, part of the collaboration. I will say I use Snapchat myself. I had no idea about this. I wonder if it's been rolled out yet. Yeah. I mean, Snapchat... I mean, they're pretty cutting edge when it comes to social media collaborations and any kind of thing like that, actually. Because originally, right, it was just you just take a picture of yourself and then send it as a chat, Snapchat, right? Snap right. a picture, chat with your friends with it, make weird faces, and that's that. But now it's like becoming like a content aggregator and like you can go to it and you can read headlines and see celebrities like news and updates and things like that. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Snapchat in the future as they continue to enhance it uh, with things like these. But You know, now that I think about it, I swear they had an update where they added like a navigation bar along the bottom side of the app. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually took 
the the app to like their mini area, but it now seems like that update was rolled back. So I'm wondering Might have if been some uh, issues. they're still working on it. Yeah. Headspace is really, really popular. I keep hearing more and more about Headspace and meditating. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever used it, but I have. And it's kind of it's kind of wild because it's like it's literally just like a five it's like a five minute or three minute meditation session and you're just sitting there and this lady's just talking to you and telling you when to breathe and to breathe out. And that's pretty much it. And then you can also there's like daily meditation sessions and you can like join in and see how many other people are meditating at the same time. So it's mm-hmm. like I, it's kind of wild. But I mean, I'm sure meditation has been proven to help mental health. So kind of cool. Kind of cool. Right. And integrating it with an app like Snapchat, I think that combines their powers for good in a lot yeah. of ways. You know. Next up, sensing blood patterns from the surface. A team from Purdue University is developing a self-powered wearable device for detecting cardiovascular health. The wearable is made by triboelectric nanogenerators, or TENGs, with polyvinyl alcohol, PVA-based contact layers. Are you still with me? TNGs help conserve mechanical energy from the human body and turn it into power. The self-powered device can detect and capture cardiovascular information encoded in pulse signals. Current cardiovascular health technologies are more invasive and have not been adapted into wearables for personalized on-demand monitoring. The wearable produces fast readout with distinct peaks for blood ejections, blood reflection in the lower body, and blood rejection from the closed aortic valve. This can enable detection of common cardiovascular diseases. It's crazy to think like, so every now and then there's like a huge innovation, right? So back, way back before we had smartphones, the iPhone came. Now everything is a smartphone and everything that came from a smartphone is an advancement in technology because smartphones enabled that to happen, right? So now we have wearables where it's like, okay, here's a smartwatch. And then from that smartwatch, people are like, where else can we apply this technology? And a lot of it's just coming into healthcare, which is kind of crazy to see. Like this is something that no one really would think of other than people who are researchers in technology and healthcare. And it's, I mean, it's just crazy to see stuff like this come out. Every time we come across another one of these wearable um, stories, I I make some passing reference to, oh, that would be nice to add on to the the wristband of my watch <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. And and I just now that I'm thinking about it, the number of times I've said that our watches are just going to keep getting thicker and thicker, and it's going to be just a whole. <laughs> it's just going to be multiple multiple watches. You're going to pull up your sleeve. <laughs> there's going to be six different wearables, all right. that tell our- time, all that you can play games on. And all that tell you about your cardiovascular health. At, at some point, it's just going to become like a smartphone-sized device that's just on the back of your arm. Kind of like those, yeah. uh, it's just you know, be the embedded sleeves in that your the joggers wrist. wear that you put yep. in your phone. It's going to yeah. be kind of like that. It's going to have to be that big to fit all of these different sensors. Yeah, on. I think at a certain point, this stuff, like something that's this specific. I mean, I don't know. Everyone needs cardiovascular health, right? But I, I don't know if maybe things like this will be prescribed or it's like, okay, we think that you might be at risk because of your genetics or something like that. Like cardiovascular disease runs in your family. So you're at risk for that. So we're going to prescribe you this brand new watch that senses it. Right. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And then if it is prescribed, like, is it covered by health insurance? 
or is well, it probably going to be, not? We know the answer, right? <laughs> yeah. Is it just going to be super expensive? Because now we're getting to the point where everything's a software as a service too. So it's like only for ten dollars a month, but you have like fifteen other software as a service for ten dollars a month, and mm-hmm. you're like just bleeding money, and you don't even realize it because it's separate services, and you're like, where the heck is my money going? And you're like, oh, I've got fifteen software as a services. So I feel well, like that's when. That's when you get one company who comes in and just combines them all. Yeah, as a conglomerate. And then we end up just having one giant A very large wearable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And with us getting to our next segment, B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest healthcare breaches all across the world. First up, we have... Operation Ransomware, success. Lorian Health Services, a family-owned nursing home with nine locations in Maryland, just announced that it was the victim of a ransomware incident. NetWalker ransomware operators stole and encrypted data, then leaked the information after Lorian refused to pay the ransom. An ongoing investigation found that data may have included names, social security numbers, birth dates, addresses, and health diagnoses and treatments. 47,754 individuals were affected. The ransomware operators made the incident known in mid-June when they published screenshots of directory listings. Lorian sent notification letters to all potentially impacted residents two days after the hackers announced a successful attack. These letters include options for protecting personal information and complimentary credit monitoring and identity services. As is customary, I mean, fifty, almost 50,000 individuals. This is kind of a small breach in terms of it being nine locations, but it's obviously a smaller health service. So it means that there is going to be, it's going, they're going to be way more affected by this, the company itself, right. right? Like the smaller the healthcare organization, the less people that are, that are breached, which is, I guess is a good thing, right? But it's also a bad thing because it means that there's, going to be less of a chance of there being smaller practices around because of the risk that they face with something like ransomware. In addition, with these smaller organizations, um, you know, obviously nine locations, that's a, a pretty good size, but small when you compare it to yeah. like major university hospitals or something like that. Right. You know, the, the other issue here is that one, they don't have just piles and piles of cash to be able to pay ransoms. Uh, or in this case, they don't negotiate with terrorists, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you, usually with ransomware, you need to have the FBI involved or some right. sort of legal uh, governmental organization because they need to, because a lot of times they do kind of consider hackers as terrorists. And right. so there is some validity to what you just said there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the other risk, of course, is that the the bigger the organization, theoretically, the more money and resources you can devote to security. Yeah. So with these smaller groups, uh, they more they more often have a higher risk for attacks like this just because their their security is not quite as tight. So yeah. if you're an organization like that and you think, ah, we're too small, no one would want to go after us, stop thinking that way. <laughs> yeah. Because they will go after you. You still yeah. got to take the the necessary steps and precautions. Um, if anything, just because you want to have a job at the end of the day. Right. And this is just another example of 
a breach happening and then the company being like, hey, sorry about that. But I mean, you know, now we're giving you personal information protection as an option if you want. (laughs) Just hopefully it's not from Experian. (laughs) Yeah. It's like maybe we should have, you know, offered this from the beginning, but that's not really a thing. But I feel like that's going to be a thing eventually is where that personal information protection is going to be included in like something like health insurance, right? Where it's like, okay, you're running a risk by going to the doctor because your information is online. But the reason why your information is online is because it's way less clunky than paper. So it's way, it's worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, in order to protect that information, we're going to give you this personal information protection. That's going to be, I don't know who would be liable for it. I guess the health insurance company, if there's a leak, but I don't know the legality behind that. But my point is, I feel like we should offer that information protection services before a breach happens because if a breach like this happens and your PHI, which includes like essentially your identity gets leaked, then I mean, there's no really point in protecting your information because it's already leaked. (laughs) Right. I mean, obviously, you don't want it to be leaked more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it can be leaked more if it's already leaked. Well, depends on what it's they do like, with it. It's not like a it's not like a pipe where like 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 once your social information and credit card information and name, address, date of birth, like that pipe is burst. It's not like a little leak that you could put Flex Seal over. <laughs> That's a lot of damage. <laughs> <laughs> Next up. The customer is not always right. Walmart is the subject of a new complaint alleging that customers face significant injuries and damage after an unspecified incident. The lawsuit accuses Walmart of violating California's new data breach regulations. Attackers gained access to customer names, addresses, financial, and other information. The suit says that Walmart's website contains multiple severe vulnerabilities through which the data was stolen. This puts customers at risk of fraud and identity theft. And they've suffered damages since the data is available for sale on the dark web. It's unknown how many people were impacted, but each affected customer could receive $750. Walmart intends to defend the claims made against it, disputing that the failure of their system played a role in any public disclosure of personal information. So if you aren't aware, California uh, created a new or published a new act in 2018 that's very similar to the GDPR Act, which is Europe's like consumer data protection. Right. And the California's is the California Consumer Privacy Act or CCPA came out in 2009 or 2018. And basically it says, okay, businesses are liable for protecting consumer information to some extent. Right. So of course, Walmart saying, no, we, we did what we were supposed yeah. to do. And uh, I guess if the hackers are just too good for you, that then it doesn't count. Right. It kind of sounds like the defense right here. What's, what's one of the craziest things to me is how complex California's laws are. Like, oh, yeah. in order to do business with California, you essentially, if you sell anything, you essentially just have to say that it causes cancer, <laughs> according <laughs> to California's law, because that is a law that they have where it's like, all these different materials have been proven to cause cancer in some capacity. So you need to make sure that you disclose that on your product. Like that's a whole right. different story, but it just goes to show you that California is, is very, very sensitive when it comes to any kind of consumer rights. So it's not a surprise that they created this act 
And I also think that eventually the entire federal government of the United States is going to follow with this law and kind of make their own version of it and then put that into fruition because uh, these breaches keep happening. So just keep that in mind in the future. Right. This is one of those watershed moments where we get to test this act and kind of see what happens when it's a massive corporation like Walmart yeah. who's potentially violated this rule. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how it plays out. Um, yep. Hopefully we'll remember and we can update. It could be the, the thing that the, the one thing that sets the precedent for this law. Cause I don't know if there's really been any kind of uh, discipline doled out yet from this law yet. So we'll right. see. I, I don't think so. And finally, if they don't know, then it never happened. Software firm Blackbaud was hit by a ransomware attack in May, which involved data from its client, University of York. But the firm didn't notify the university until July 16th. Blackbaud said it paid the ransom demand with confirmation that the copy of data had been destroyed. The firm said that based on its third-party investigation, there's no reason to believe that any data went beyond the cybercriminal or will be misused. The University of York is working with Blackbaud to understand why there was a two-month delay in notifying of the breach, and they're continuing to investigate this situation. The university informed the Information Commissioner's Office about the incident and is taking steps to understand how many other parties may have been affected. This story coming out of the United Kingdom, obviously, since we're talking about the University of York, um, but I, I wanted to make sure we highlight that because... At first read, the information commissioner's office, that's not a, an office we have stateside. Yeah. And Black Bod, it's not B-O-D like Bod, like it's B-A-U-D. And they are a cloud computing provider that serves the social good community. But is it really that socially good if <laughs> you have a breach that's ransomware and you're like, ah, we're not going to tell our client. We're just going to sweep this under the table, pay them, get it over with. Let's move yeah, on. That that is what it actually seems like they were doing. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe we'll just pay them and and hush like, hush. They'll be fine. We made an oopsie, and we don't want to tell anybody about it. But with something like this, you need to tell someone about it because, believe it or not, fessing up that you messed up is going to be better than getting caught for sweeping it under the table. Like, right. you're not. I mean, as a company, you're gonna want to be like, okay, like this is not good. We need to make sure that we don't tell anybody about this, so this doesn't leak out. But mm -hmm. if it does leak out, I mean, you're going to be chastised for it because it's your responsibility to tell right. your clients that the data was exposed. So, And it looks really bad. And then your clients are going to hear about it and they're going to call you and say, why didn't you tell me about yeah. this? And, and then people like us are going to cover it. And then it's going to be on a global right. thing because our audience is so massive <laughs> and it's just bad. You know, it's bad. Right. So, so disclose do your but breaches, people. Here's kind of an interesting story, though, because we don't often see ones where they're like, yeah, we, we paid the ransom. Yeah, right. So, I mean, I guess the, the cyber criminal in this case found the right organization to attack. What's crazy? Got their yeah. payday. What's crazy to me with ransomware is obviously when you pay it, you don't know whether or not you're going to get your data. Right. And a lot of times what ends up happening, believe it or not, is they get their data back. OK, but. What if the hacker's like, okay, number one, I'm not going to give the data back. Thanks for the money, suckers. Peace. I'm leaving. Or 
Number two, they give you the data back, but then they're like, I'm going to keep the data too as a copy on my side and I'm going to sell it on the, the deep or dark web and make even more money off of it. Right. Like you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, sure, maybe a small percentage will be like, oh, you paid me. That's goodwill. I'm going to give it back. I'm a good dude. You know, thanks for, thanks for just giving me money. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a very tricky situation, ransomware in general. Mm-hmm. So. And it's, you know, it's a pretty new one. Ransomware yep. is a, a novel concept, really. So now, Hot off as the a reminder, hacking presses. I, I just want to share this story because it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, in college, I took a class called um, Computational Security. And the, the one thing that my professor made sure to stress almost every class was that any encryption can be broken. It may take infinite time, but it can be broken. <laughs> <laughs> so with that that's it for your week's wrap up of your weekly healthcare news i'm alex ross i'm at money penny and we will see you next week thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the bandage this week's episode was written and produced by e-tactics e-tactics is a leading revenue cycle solutions organization committed to providing innovative web-based solutions that improve our clients' cash management and customer relationships. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.